Welcome to Noteclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rowland. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Valheim, a game that was developed by Iron Gate Studio and Fish Labs for the Xbox version, was published by Coffee Stain Publishing and was released in 2021 on Linux and Windows and in 2023 on the Xbox One, Series X, and S. Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. All right, so uh, two things that I want to note about Valheim before we start. <laughs> one of them is something I always do, so I really should just say one thing I want to note about Valheim, uh-huh. uh, which you, you have uh, actually helpfully put in the information here. Uh, we should note, uh, I guess there are two things, so three <laughs> things total. Uh, one, we're doing this game as part of Fanbrewery, uh, the game, the, the month in which we play games that the members of our community tell us to play, uh, which is uh, probably the only way that Valheim would have ended up right now. And the main reason for that is because this game is currently still in early access, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we've done it in the past. And I've also neglected to mention that it was an early access, at least in the case of uh, what was that game? Uh, World of Horror, I yeah, believe. I actually didn't even know that was in early access till we did the episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it really snuck up on us. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's always something that that you do need to mention because like a lot of the things that we experience may technically not be part of. The, like, first of all, if you're listening to this in the future, we may not have played the same version of the game as you at all. Like, there may have been vast differences made between now in the hypothetical future time when you could be listening to this. Right. Uh, but also, yes, the game technically is unfinished, um, though this is one of those games similar to Phasmophobia, which was another early access game that we, already, that we talked about. Uh, it garnered its its lion's share of the, the public consciousness a couple of years ago, or at least in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is not a... This is not a so unfinished that it's like we're playing a demo and talking about it kind of thing. Right. Uh, Yeah, and then the last thing is just, this is a survival game. Uh, I believe it is the first one that we've played for the podcast, unless you count some weird thing that I can't even think of right now. Uh, I don't know, maybe like No Man's Sky would be like the closest thing. And that's not yeah, even that's a not... good, not even a good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Uh, though you do spend a similar amount of time blasting rocks in both games, <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, and I am, and I won't speak for you, but mm-hmm. I'm reasonably certain that I can speak for you in this instance. Uh-huh. Uh, are not well versed in survival games as a whole. No, no. Uh... Yeah, I, I guess we're, we're definitely not part of the Minecraft generation. <laughs> it's true. We're slightly too old for that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I don't typically play these kinds of games. And beyond that, like, once again, this is sort of a fanbury thing. And it's one of the things that I like about fanbury is that we are given these games that fall outside of our normal bounds. Like, uh, we've had games like Everspace, which was like a, a space game roguelite and 
uh, this being a survival game. And last year we talked about Sacrifice, which is a, 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 a real-time strategy game. Uh, none of which are things that we talk about very often on the podcast because they aren't in our normal uh, sort of like wheelhouse of things that we like to do. So I do like experiencing these different kinds of games. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does on these episodes. I do have to say, like, there are definitely elements of this that are more unique to the like that are doing things that other games in the genre are not. Or there's a certain hook that makes this game popular in comparison to other survival games, and I'm just not going to have the context for that kind of a discussion. Right. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a survival game discussion by people who do not play a lot of survival games going over their experiences with it. Yeah, an outsider perspective. Yeah, a good way of, of saying it. So now that I'm done uh, qualifying everything, <laughs> uh, I do not like Valheim at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it does yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I come down on the negative side as well. Um, but I will say, I feel like the game made a good first impression though, for me anyway. Um, like I felt like in the beginning it has like a solid progression where it felt like we were like accomplishing things at a good pace. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then I feel like it just got to a point where that spiked pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, dropped that... off the face of the earth is potentially <laughs> another way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I kind of agree with that. Like I knew what I was getting into in as much as I knew that it was a survival game and what limited experience I had. I knew that there was going to be tree punching. Uh, I knew that there was going to be crafting of things. Uh, and so I had my expectations set, I think, appropriately uh, for going in. And and one thing that I do want to mention that the game does really well off the beginning is just I fucking love this game's aesthetic. Mm. Uh, the, like, very low-poly models, but, like, with the modern sort of, like, ambient lighting and all that shit yeah, that's only possible effects. with modern hardware. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it looks really gorgeous. Uh, it, almost like surprisingly so. Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe because I feel like it, it, there isn't anything particularly like unique looking about the aesthetic, I think, but it does have like a charm to it. Um, but yeah, it's hard to like exactly put into words other than like what you already said. Yeah, there's like a mix of low poly uh models and modern rendering techniques. Uh mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, like that's the very literal way of describing it. And mm-hmm. it's like the the visual aesthetic that that produces is the thing that is difficult to describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like you don't really notice the low poly models as much in motion. It's more like it it it's very almost impressionistic, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like if you just saw like a screenshot of this, it would look like a game from two thousand four or something, right. you know. But like it's in motion, it does like have a cool effect. And that definitely did draw me in a little bit to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got the, like the big Yggdrasil branch in the skybox, you know. Like it has just enough going on to I think kind of pull you in, right? 
Uh, and that did like it got me kind of excited because, and there's there are other elements of this I think that that more people probably relate to because it does like it visually it looks very cool aesthetically obviously it's it's uh, thematically tied to the whole like Norse mythology thing, um, which is as we've seen with the explosion of success in in the God of War franchise mm-hmm. a traditionally very unsuccessful unknown franchise prior to the more recent releases mm-hmm. uh that sarcasm in case anybody didn't pick up on that uh has become more and more in vogue over the last few years uh and so uh like it was good especially like with that that popularity of it being more familiar with it now than i would have been 10 years ago mm-hmm. like a lot of that stuff does sort of help uh, sell you on the whole concept of it. But then also, this game is a... Uh, it's not... I was about to use the word massively <laughs> and then follow it up with the word multiplayer, which sends the wrong signal. <laughs> it is a multiplayer game that can house a staggering number of players on a single server. I believe up to ten. Yeah. Uh, which is a, is a, is a crazy feat, honestly. Uh, and I think that if you were the kind of person who has ten friends, <laughs> uh, that probably rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, honestly, would have made this game a lot more fun to me. Uh, yeah, it almost... Than it was. Yeah, it almost kind of feels like it's balanced around you having a larger number of players uh because like it would make finding resources a lot faster right mm-hmm. if you were like oh we need to go find a burial crypt having 10 people go look for it is going to find one a lot faster than two <laughs> yeah because i presume that in the 10 person world they don't also whatever the 10 version of double is uh the size of the map uh so deck tuple deck tuple uh so it would like if anything that you're looking for it's going to be a lot easier to find or even just have people looking for something and exploring and other people doing other tasks yeah yeah. Uh, we mostly just played the two of us and it felt like going off on your own was a bad idea so we ended up kind of having to stick together and not uh divide and conquer <laughs> is my correct we stayed together and also did not conquer <laughs> right it got killed by a troll or whatever yeah and then we got killed by a troll it was a very like uh it, it made the experience very slow um and so i i do think that lends credence to your thought that maybe the game itself is balanced more around having more players like on a server in not in the way that minecraft is because minecraft is much more player directed this has like extrinsic goals that you're actually working to complete uh and don't at me i know minecraft has that now as well Uh but like the thing that (laughs) the thing that it sells you on uh is more of that player directed freedom whereas valheim is more like what if the survival game had like a large overarching campaign in addition to the base building and the crafting and everything else that normally goes into these kinds of games? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess uh, there's a couple of different directions we could go. Um, like, I don't, I guess, I don't, do you think it's like it, it, at all interesting to continue to talk about why we, we don't like it? <laughs> 
<laughs> or to like to go into more specifics because like i kind of wanted to compare it to mmos but i don't know if that's like a redundant point i mean i don't know i well it also seems like it fits here because i almost called this massively multiplayer yeah. uh so i think i think we can probably go for it i and i can kind of get the gist of where your comparison's gonna come from but hit me yeah i mean uh since you brought up uh mmos accidentally um I kind of wanted to compare it a little bit to an MMO because, like, it's a genre of game that's, like, very popular that I've, like, tried to get into before, and they just don't do a ton for me. Uh, They're, like, hard carried by the social aspect, uh, which also kind of ties into what you're saying. If we had 10 people to play with, it probably would have made it uh, at least sillier (laughs) and then in turn more fun uh, (laughs) for us. But uh, yeah, like, I, I, I feel like it's like a, a type of game where like, I feel like there's certain things in it that are fun and like things I, I get enjoyment out of. But like it, then it feels like the rest of the game just gets in the way <laughs> of itself. Um, like, I just kind of don't engage with like the core gameplay loop very well, very much. Right. Yeah. I, and that is the exact like. I think the 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 point that works for both genres there because it is like in order for the games for both genres of games to function they need to have a certain like level of constant steady but slow progression uh in in both cases it it's in some cases it's like like leveling up skills in Valheim uh versus like getting slowly actually gaining levels or item levels in a, in like a World of Warcraft style MMO and in order to do that the the industry standard method seems to be to make things just take a very long time mm-hmm. uh and i don't jive with that i think if you listen to the the podcast at all you would probably get that impression Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) is that i would just prefer things to be a little bit snappier uh to actually uh accomplish and yeah i also don't really play mmos there are a few that have like piqued my interest but at the same time like the idea of putting when somebody says that you could sink hundreds of hours into this game. That mm. is like a hard negative for me. <laughs> it is like the opposite of what I think most people intend by it. So like when I look at Valheim and I look at me saying like, okay, it, we need to get from goal from where we are to goal a, but in order to get there, we have to accomplish goals B through double K. Right. I'm like, oh boy. Like, I don't want to, like, everything just seems like it comes back down to just chopping down trees. Yeah. Which, to me, is not an engaging game mechanic. Yeah, it's like, I, the idea of, like, like finding a game to put that much time into is, like, kind of appealing to me. But, like, I don't want to have to play it for, like, 40 to 50 hours before I can get to the fun part. Which right. also feels like MMOs and survival games are like that as well. Yeah. Well, I also, I have a lot of friends who are big MMO heads. Mo mm-hmm. heads, as we call them. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mo heads. <laughs> Mo heads. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, th- like their idea of what the fun part is, and this is not like I'm not dunking here. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're trying to I understand. Enjoy- yeah, like I have Cookie Clicker running in the background, like as we speak. Uh, there's definitely like a a, a, a lot of person artist subjective. It's my fucking catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their idea of what the fun part of an MMO is is not even like appealing to me in any way. So like, th- it's not so much like can I put enough time in to get to the part that is good. It's like why isn't it good from the beginning? Yeah. uh and also why is the thing that i'm working toward just like a more ridiculous version of what i'm doing at the beginning i don't know yeah yeah and like i feel like it's okay for like it's a survival game so it makes sense for like everything to be challenging but i don't think that Mm -hmm. means it has to be tedious right um and i i think um the game design can kind of confuse those things uh, in my opinion, um, oh yeah, and I feel like if just like the the grind of like getting materials and things was more fun, like you know, mm-hmm. like if like you had like more fun movement or like better combat or some kind of other task or some other element that was fun that you did oh, right. while grinding for stuff, like if like actually like mining for something was somehow like a fun mechanic to do rather than just clicking. You know, like, I feel like that kind of stuff would go a long way. Yeah, I think, like, as an example of this, like, uh, uh, to your point, essentially, one of my favorite moments of us playing this game was the uh, the valiant expedition to retrieve copper from under the troll's nose, in which we had to plan, essentially, an insurgents where we run in to clear out the small guys in a blitzkrieg effort (laughs) and then (laughs) run away in order to make the troll stop paying attention to us and then strategically kite him around while one of us mined the copper. Right, and the other one Uh, fired a bow at him. Yeah, fired a bow at him until he finally died. Uh, So it kept, it was like, and that's like MMO combat also, in a way. Like I was tanking and, and keeping the aggro on me. Uh, but when you then zoom out from that, that was like a 10 minute experience of the game. And it was part of this multi-step process because we needed the copper in order to mix with the tin that we had to go get, which was much less exciting. We just walked up and mined <laughs> it. Uh, and then we had to carry it a little bit at a time because of the inventory weight limits uh, back to a smelter, which we then had to fire with coal and in order to fire it with coal, we had to cut down trees to get the wood to put in the the kiln to make the copper. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a... There are so many steps, and our end goal was just, like, new hat. Yeah, just, like, make a sword. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, it, we had been playing for, you know, like, 12 hours, hours at that or point. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we already had, like, some supplies stockpiled, but we still had to go farm wood. You know, yep. like multiple times. So and like, yeah, like I don't understand why <laughs> the inventory isn't upgradable. Right, and I mean, I won't say for a million percent that it is not upgradable, but we did not find right. A way yeah, like, it. yeah, like inventory weight limit upgrades need to be in the game if they are not. Yeah, or 
and this might be a hot take, but like make it a stack limit instead of a weight limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, what ends up happening is you run around to get, you go to get the copper, you stage an insurgents. And then when right. you go to take the copper from the, the, the 1% troll <laughs> is hoarding it all to himself while we are in squalor, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you uh, like get a little bit of it and then you go, Oh, I have to clear out some of my inventory. Where did any of this stuff even come from? Cause I like pick up a dude's head that was just on the ground and it just vacuumed into my inventory. Yeah. And now I'm overburdened. I mean, it won't let you overburden yourself automatically, but at the same time, like I, there are so many just trash objects that I don't want to have that get vacuumed into my inventory and I have to go sort through and throw on the ground before I can pick up the stuff I actually need. Yeah, you get like so much resin and what is it like mm-hmm. gray dwarf eyes or whatever. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, you just end up like with certain things, you end up with tons of them. And it's like randomly, they're just like in the uh, the chests in our, in our base. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, they don't automatically stack mm-hmm. when you put them in chests, so you have to, like, if you accidentally put them in two different chests, like, fuck, you've just wasted spots, essentially. Uh, and then you're building more chests, which requires you to get more wood. Uh, <laughs> so you're back to cutting down trees. It all comes back to the trees. Uh, but yeah, I think... Trees and that's don't like... grow on trees, Chad. Okay. <laughs> If only, if only the woodpecker crying, the bark on the trees was just in my inventory <laughs> without having to cut down a whole forest. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and all of this to say, like, I can't even necessarily say that this is a specific criticism that I have of Valheim and it's like core engagement loop mm-hmm. because I'm reasonably certain that this is the entire survival genre. Right. Like, of, of the survival games that I've played, almost all of them have this exact same issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have as much experience. Like, I know I've played some V Rising and don't remember it well enough to remember if it was a faster, smoother experience or not. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just feel like you could, there's so many little things you could tighten up, though. Um. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this game is like overwhelmingly positive reviews. So maybe people yeah. like that things take a long time because it makes it more satisfying or something. <laughs> I think they do. I also think that a lot of people don't suffer with it the same way that we did. Like, I think most people play this as a group activity. I, I will say like a survival experience that I had recently that I actually enjoyed uh, was playing a game called Sons of the Forest. Um, which is a sequel to the game The Forest, uh, which is a kind of like a horror-themed survival game. Uh, and the reason that I enjoyed my time with Sons of the Forest is not because the game was good. Uh, the game was falling apart, basically, because we were playing it in like the first couple of weeks of early access. It was just, it was such a mess. Mm. And also I was playing it with four other people. So right. like... You go in, you like leave for a little bit and go on an expedition and you come back with some berries and a gun or something that you find Mm -hmm. and you get back and some guy who's already, who was there from the beginning has built like a little shed outpost onto your base. And you're like, wow, 
now I have guns and supplies, and then the other person is doing construction. So, like, we've created this sort of, like, team and are rapidly making progress towards our goals because mm-hmm. we're able to sort of delineate uh, who's doing what and, and everything. Uh, and then also sometimes there's just, like, a slinky man that attacks <laughs> you, and that, that also made the game much more enjoyable. Yeah. like... Uh, like we played Power World when that came out, and uh, mm-hmm. say what you will about the game, but uh, we play only played <laughs> it for like once for like what four hours maybe, and it yeah. felt like we accomplished as much in that as it took us like fifteen hours to do in this game. You know, uh, like yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can automate, which is nice. You know, like I just feel like there's, and I I don't know. I just it feels like there's ways that you can like not take the challenge out but still make it more convenient yeah i think because the challenge itself is i is i think required in a survival game it has to be the reason that you're doing all of this stuff is for the purpose of being able to overcome the challenge and i think and we'll talk about this later i don't want to talk about it right now Mm -hmm. but one of the like the big things that valheim does that i really like is this sort of like ladder of bosses that you have to beat Mm -hmm. uh which give you buffs and uh other shit and materials and so you you summon the boss you kill the boss and so you're making progress in a very extrinsic linear way that i like a lot uh, it's just like the the points leading up to it. Like mentioning the automation in Power World is like automation is so important for this stuff. Like I know I complained to you, but like <laughs> the cooking in in Valheim right. takes like not long enough for you to be able to go do something else while the cooking is happening but long enough to be inconvenient that you have to just stand there and look at it. Yeah, you have to babysit it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, why am I taking, like, five real-world minutes to cook, like, a stack of meat in the inventory so that I can then eat meat, which will sustain me for, like, 20 minutes or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. it feels so inefficient, and it, and it it's something that just requires the player to just stand there. Like <laughs> if it was if it was automated in any way where you like the you could just dump meat in and then it would pop out like the charcoal or whatever you come pick yeah, it up. Yeah, you later. can make it like an oven or something. Exactly. And, like like, and maybe you can build food. an oven Probably, eventually. Yeah. I don't know. But like it just it, it it bogs down those early hours with like so much that is so tedious. Uh it really did not compel me to continue <laughs> playing. Uh, I guess, do you want to talk about base building? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed the base building part of it uh, well enough. Uh, I think it was, it's, it was a very memorable part, like, the first time we played. Uh, <laughs> we, being uh, outsiders to these types of games were like well it would be boring to make a base right at the starting area so we tried to go (laughs) (laughs) further inland to a cooler location and then just got killed by skeletons (laughs) several times uh before we decided to make a uh base in the starting area uh in the big open field where you're supposed to make your first base (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was like really fun to like make a big, like derpy shack. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the base building. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say it's my favorite part of the game. There are a few other things I'd like to call out, but it is the thing that I think shows the most promise in the game. Uh, as compared to other like third person or God help you first person building <laughs> things. Like, Minecraft works because of its incredibly simplistic voxel graphics, right? Like, mm -hmm. you can stack things on top of each other. It's, it's fucking Legos. Like, we all know how it works, and it's easy to sort of get and understand. Um, in Valheim, you're building, like, actual uh, houses with these planks that operate admittedly similarly to a grid structure. But, like, it feels very easy... And, like, intuitive to put things together. I will say, <laughs> roofs need work. <laughs> I think you were supposed to build those, like, triangle roofs. Like, all the little mm. ruined, like, shacks have. But we just didn't, ever. <laughs> <laughs> we did sort of, like, focus on building cubes. <laughs> yeah. Very western houses. Yeah. We brought our cultural background into it. <laughs> These are the houses of our people. White people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but speaking of, like, there's these little ruined uh, or, like, abandoned, like, little shacks and huts and whatever around the world. And, like, I think that's actually, like, a really cool detail. Because, like, at first it was like, oh, I found a Midsommar building. If you've seen that right. movie, it's like a triangular building. Um, that was the thing that made us think of uh, initially. But, um, yeah, I, I, each one has, like, a chest in it. And, like, at first I thought of it, oh, it's just, like, a spot to, like, signify, like, oh, there's treasure right here. Um, but right. then later on, like, I was thinking about it. And it's like, oh, okay, like, if we're going to a new location, we can quickly fix one of these up and use it as a shelter. That's kind of cool. Uh, and sometimes you'll find like a like a ruined tower thing with a skeleton in it. And like you could theoretically like kill the skeleton and then like take over the tower and be like, it's mine now, you know, and might be more attached to it as a result. Um, mm -hmm. And there was like a little like abandoned farm type thing close to um, where we built our base. And I was like, oh, that seems kind of like I don't know if you want to call it foreshadowing or maybe like some subtle teaching like be like oh like you'll be able to grow food later you know mm -hmm. like kind of by having like this environmental like oh people were here before you and like you might be able to like do this kind of stuff later so i thought that was all like kind of cool and like slowly waved over me as we played yeah i think that the procedural world generation in this game is uh it uh really good just genuinely very good uh in a way that i rarely see uh it, it generates a world that has enough character that i could be convinced it was bespoke like something yeah. that was handmade by a person like it, it i like that the house like the ruins act as checkpoints when you're traveling it's very cool i do like evicting the skeletons from their little <laughs> towers uh it's a fun time uh, 
And yeah, it, and and like you said, like the the teaching in terms of like these are some things that you could be doing. Your house roof should probably look like this and not like a big barn. Yeah, <laughs> we, you might not learn that lesson, but uh, it's trying. To <laughs> or teach at least it to you. you might just adamantly stick to trying to build barns for some reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it like you do run across all of these interesting things, and then. Uh, it, it, and it, it teaches you a little bit like the uh, I noticed when we were trying to get to what I presume is the second boss. But after how long we spent not finding it, <laughs> I, I don't know if I was right or not. But we did come to like the edge of the, the main island that you begin on. And on the shoreline, there was like a wrecked boat. And it kind of, like, makes you go, like, oh, I can probably build a boat if I had the materials to, like, give me that recipe or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and lo and behold, yes, you can. You can make a boat and take stuff across the water. Um, and all these things are very cool. I really, I just, yeah, I agree with you, basically. I think that the the way that the world generation works uh, is shockingly well fleshed out. And I have to imagine a lot of effort was put into sort of like fine tuning that so that it made things that were like both playable and interesting. Yeah. You know, I agree. Like I, uh, thought was going to Google at one point, whether or not the world was procedurally generated. Um, cause I, I, I don't know if it's just the genre, but like, I think the procedural generation works really well because like you don't need a world with like very specific, like level design for it to be interesting. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I usually like prefer, uh, area designed by a human, like 9.999 times out of 10. But like, I think the procedural generation works really well for this. Yeah. I do want to call out, and this is potentially something that's on the slate to be edited in future versions of the game. Uh, but the the dungeons and stuff, maybe I'm spoiled because I'm a big cave boy. <laughs> I like I like to to explore caves. It's like one of my favorite things. the The dungeon generation seems exceedingly simplistic. It is just sort of like hallways and doors. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, if that was something that was expanded, I literally probably would have come in here on a much different note if, like, the caves were cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Like, that's how important that is to me. <laughs> no, that's a great call-out. I did not think of that when making notes. Um, yeah, the, the, the two crypts we explored were very simple. Um... So yeah, that could that that should definitely go on the on the list of things <laughs> for the dev to consider. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah, cuz like I and I don't know, like cuz we talked earlier about um it seeming like it's probably developed with like a larger group in mind. Like if it could somehow like scale the amount of resources to how many people are playing, that sort of thing I think might go a long way as well because like we were trying to find more of those cores. I can't remember what they're called. Like, Surter cores or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, we were just, like, looking for another cave and, like, just could not find one. <laughs> um, so, like, it or, like, maybe making them, like, more obvious from a distance or uh, having some kind of visual cue for certain things. Like, we found that copper uh, vein 
And it's like, if we need, we needed more copper, I'd have no idea how to find more. You right. know, like, so I, I feel like that like, to, to loop back around to like <laughs> other topics, I guess, uh, unintentionally there. But I, I feel like that kind of stuff would uh, benefit the game. Yeah, I do think that is also kind of a legitimate issue that the game has that is debatably solvable. I It's one of those things where, like, I like the aesthetic of this game well enough that I don't want it to change. Like, if, if for some reason, and I can only hope to high Hrothgar <laughs> that this does not happen in reality, but if, like, a developer from Iron Gate showed up and was like, we're making Valheim exactly to your specifications from <laughs> here on out. <laughs> uh I feel like the only real realistic way to like make things stand out more the copper veins the mine entrances even just like things you can pick up off the ground like you like it it's it's so it's hampered by the low poly aspects of the visuals but the visuals are good enough that I don't want them to change. But I do want to be able to find shit. Like, I feel like copper should stand out more because right now it looks like literally a hill yeah. on the ground. It, it could be like more metallic. <laughs> you know, like, you could, you, color goes a long way. Like the entrances to those crypts or burial chambers or whatever. It's just like, look, just looks like a pile of rocks. Right. You know, like it, it, I feel like you could tweak things without having to change the visual style. Yeah, there there definitely needs to be something changed in in that respect to make it more uh like clear as to where things are cuz like I mean, I'll be honest, like when we the thing that and I I'll also take responsibility here. <laughs> the thing that made us like stop playing the game at the time that we did was we needed those certer cores to make a portal. So this is what I didn't know about portals. And I determined that because we spent all this time, like literally hours, making bronze equipment so that we could then go, like, be better equipped to f go to the next boss and fight it. And then after we made all the equipment, we started our trek, and then my fucking big spear thing broke. And I was like, well, I'll repair it. But you have to build a forge to be able to repair the things made at the forge. So I either had to find more shit to make a bunch of bronze to then make a forge to then repair the bronze stuff uh, or trek all the fucking way back. And so I just started Googling. I was like, fast travel, like anything like that in this game. <laughs> uh -huh. And apparently portals are a thing. And so we went to make a portal using our last cores. Uh, and then... We had to get two more to make a second portal so we could actually use it. Uh, and so we were searching for that. And then when we came back, somebody had destroyed our uh, one of the things that required more cores to make. And I was just like, we're fucked. Like, this is going <laughs> to take so long of such a boring exercise that we just have to stop. Yeah, uh, or I will go insane. <laughs> we don't want to take four more hours to redo the stuff we already did. Yeah, uh, so I just so, so we were just like I I give up on this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm done with yeah. with with your game. Uh, you know I I feel like it maybe call me like a spoiled baby 
of convenience or whatever you want mm-hmm. in the comments below. But um, baby gamer, <laughs> why not just have you build a portal and then just be able to warp to it? Right, like have it go to a spawn point or something? Yeah, like it's, yeah, like set it as a spawn point, you know, like, yeah, like it just warps you back to your home base. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, like maybe you had to make more (laughs) to like warp to other locations, but like the one at the home base should be like, you should be able to set and warp to it for free. Yeah, just like, uh, like a Ori in the Blind Forest checkpoint Mm -hmm. where you just sort of like poop it out. And then you can go there, but it costs you material to do it. Like that seems. Oh yeah, fun. yeah. There you go. That's another mm-hmm. way to do it. Yeah, because I I really was just like uh, I cannot go on if I have to continually make this track back and forth. Uh, and also, we had to find at that point four more cores, which may have been in one thing, but we had been looking for two hours and hadn't found any of them. So. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, uh, that, like I said, a lot of things could go to help things stand out and to make, just make things smoother. Cause it's one of those things that like, I'm sure later in the game, you just have millions of them and it's not a concern and you can place portals wherever you want. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge of the early game is having to do all this stuff to do all this other stuff. But it was just like, I don't know. It just took too long and was too boring. <laughs> yeah. And like we had Googled like where to find the cores and it said in the black forest or whatever it's yeah. called dark forest or whatever. And like, and like I, I watched some reviews today that referred to the black forest as like the second biome of the game. But right. Like, for us, at least as far as we ever found, it was just like a small island with two crypts on it. Uh, the entire part of the map that we were in uh-huh. was essentially the black forest. Right. But it was so small. Except for the mountain part. No, no, no. I mean, oh. even like further to the side, okay. that all still counts as the same. Thing. Okay. Well, yeah. I thought like it would, that was all part of like the starting like meadow area. Right. Yeah. I also kind of did and it didn't click with me for a long time. It's like in the map page mm. or not in the map, but like in the mini map, maybe I don't remember. Uh, there is like an identifier somewhere, okay. but I didn't notice it for like eight hours. So <laughs> I didn't even know that there were multiple biomes. Like I right. just thought it was a island with stuff on it. <laughs> um, do you think- apparently there is seven biomes? Uh, I don't know <laughs> what they are other well, than we, well, meadow, we black forest and mountain. Yeah. We encountered three of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think it's too early to take a break or perfect time to take a break? I think that this is the perfect time to push the rest break. of our conversation to <laughs> after the break. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll start building a boat and we'll sail it across to a new <laughs> biome and record the second half of the podcast over there. After, after the, the break. break. <laughs> Perfect. Wow, we nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, all right. Valheim, chapter two. Back in the car. Uh, I guess one thing that we kind of touched on on at the end of the first half was like, as you're traveling across 
the map, you have to like make little shelters to set as checkpoints. Um, right. I, I I feel like that's a really cool mechanic. Like I don't know if there are equivalent things in like Minecraft or other games like this, but like I think it adds to that exploration feel where you're like kind of like launching expeditions uh away from like a home base and you have to kind of like plan a route and like you know set up uh places to stop along the way yeah i i think it is it's like it's such a a double-edged sword to me because i feel like it is both one of my favorite elements of the the gameplay and also a source of a lot of its sort of problems because i do love what you're saying there's like a sense of uh like it's it's almost and you gotta forgive me for this one (laughs) it's got that dark souls like when like do i continue pushing and risk losing everything that i have or do i go back to where i know it's safe spend my resources and then strike out again like that is like such a compelling loop uh, and it's worked in many games, uh, and, and I think it does here as well, where it's like, when do I just start building a house in the woods mm-hmm. and use that as, like, my my checkpoint? And, like, to its credit, it does not take a, a severely long time to actually construct, like, a workable shelter uh, in order to, to sleep through the night and set a new uh, checkpoint, but... It does also require you to always be carrying like the building materials that yeah, you, you need. Yeah, you always got to have wood. Always got to have wood. And there's just like going to be crafting tables dotting the map for, mm-hmm. like cuz you just have to keep building them over and over again. So like there is that which is not ideal, but uh I I think overall though I, I do really like it and I'm I'm sure that it is a mechanic in other games. I think Terraria did this, which mm. is a game that I have played, uh, where you can like drop a bed and set a spawn point if you just build one and 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 stick it there. Uh, so it kind of works in that way. But uh, yeah, I I don't know if this is an entirely unique mechanic to this game, but it is a very good one, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it adds to that feeling of like conquering the space. For sure. The, yeah, the colonialism yeah. of <laughs> Valheim. Yeah, and it, it's like that decision-making is also satisfying. Like, how early uh, do I, like, start gathering materials to build the shelter? Or, or how and how far do I push it, et cetera, et cetera? Because who knows? I might get attacked by a wolf any second. <laughs> yeah, if you needed a marker as to about how far into the game we got, a wolf consistently one shot us no matter what we were doing uh it was extremely weird because like the the, and just to talk about another thing that i think the game does at least reasonably well um the game has like i'm gonna call them factions i don't know if that's the right word for it Mm -hmm. but there's like the Grey Dwarves, and for some god knows why reason, the trolls are related, because they can't deal friendly fire damage to each other. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, uh, and then, like, animals, wild animals, and skeletons. 
and you. And they each of them will fight each other if they're in close proximity. So, like, right. I was in a, a situation where I was just, like, minding my own business, chopping down a tree. The activity I participated in for 90% <laughs> of my Valheim playtime. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and was attacked by a brute, which is a big man mm-hmm. who comes to attack you. Uh, and then a wolf showed up and just killed him in two hits. And I was like, that's crazy. Maybe that was a really weak brute. That was not the way I should have been looking at it. Because uh-huh. uh, the wolf then turned on me and hit me one time and I died instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like that that they will fight each other. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool if there were like a little bit more of like variety of enemies in a location so that you could maybe use that like to your advantage. Like if you're getting chased by like five gray dwarfs, you could like run to like where, you know, some skeletons are hanging out and make them fight Uh, each other. Take them to the skeleton clubhouse. Yeah. 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 And it is neat. It's, It's one of those things. Whenever you have an open world game, I feel like this kind of thing always adds to it because it, and I mean, I use the word open world game. Like, I think that survival games, by d- definition, almost are usually open world games. Like, mm-hmm. Don't Starve is probably an exception to this rule, but it is still a, uh, it's at least very prevalent. And I think that any game where you have this like world that's supposed to have emergent gameplay and stuff like that, the more available strategies you have as a player, the more real that world is going to feel and so i I do think that this game succeeds at least in that respect yeah i don't know if you ever unlock the ability to like build traps but that would also be pretty cool uh i sure did not but (laughs) it would be though i don't know the way that this game works like is we we did unlock a beehive right uh, (laughs) and what that did was it was a beehive and every once in a while, you could come up and collect honey. Like, it would just amass <laughs> honey over time. I imagine you would build a trap, and it probably just generates flank stakes over time. Yeah. And then you pick them up. It just would be funny to be able to, like, dig a moat and then just stick, like, spikes in it or something. You know, like, <laughs> seems like something like yeah. that could exist in the game. That would be very cool. And be able to, like, actually... Because there are... At one point... uh. And what I can, we are definitely showing our ass a little bit on this <laughs> I podcast. Think it's okay. Yeah, but there's a point where Hegan, the bird, Hegan, uh, uh, who I love, obviously, great guy, um, very helpful. He was like, "You're gonna be attacked by stuff, so you better build like defenses." And I'm like looking at my build menu, and I'm like, "We we don't got those." <laughs> Maybe just like a wall. We could have tried to yeah, build like maybe, a fence. It's possible that he meant a wall, but if not, then maybe there are things like a punji pit right. from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or Vietnam. Uh. <laughs> Vietnam's Pro Skater? Vietnam Pro Skater. Um, yeah, if because that does seem like a thing that would exist in this game. It would be cool to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I should have, because 
I gave my game of the year last year, and by last year I mean two months ago, uh-huh. uh, to RimWorld, and uh, this game features a similar like base building and uh, raiding mechanic, where every so often the forest will come alive and a bunch of enemies will come and attack your base and destroy your stuff. And the number one thing to do in RimWorld is to just build a big perimeter wall and just may and funnel everyone into a choke point uh, when they attack you. And I think that that is probably what this game is implying you should be doing when they say build defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little sad, honestly, that we didn't get to really engage with the the raid mechanic of this game because it does seem it would seem cooler if they ever drop it like those enemies ever dropped anything you wanted to have yeah but it is still like neat that you have to be on your toes at least yeah i don't know if we just were like just that early in the game but like getting swarmed by like 20 guys uh-huh. was like pretty uh oppressing (laughs) it's very hard not to die or just run in a circle shooting them like doing chip damage with a bow yeah it was a very kiting based experience when there were that many of them Mm -hmm. uh how did you feel about just like combat generally uh we're on the same wavelength because i was gonna Uh ask that too um (laughs) i don't know if I was just bad at it, but like, I don't know. It really just kind of felt like clicking on a guy, but you know, like, it just felt very simplistic to me. Like, I don't like, you uh, had like a yeah. big jump attack you could do by like right clicking. And I think there, there was a dodge, but I like never used it. I <laughs> tended uh, to use a shield instead. Like, I don't know if I had played with a controller, maybe the combat might've felt a little better to me, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's kind of bad, but I also think it is hampered by the genre and just, like, key space, the amount of things you have access to. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the moment that you're at a point where you are designing a game and you're like, where do I put the block button? Middle mouse. You've gone too far. You need to step back. Your combat system is either too complicated that you require a block button, but have to put it in on like the most horribly awkward thing to use, like in the middle of an action. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like it's just it, it you need to reprioritize a little bit as to like what your key space is dedicated to because i found us engaging in combat a lot in this game like there was a lot of fighting that happened yeah yeah when you're just like chopping down a tree it seems like there's probably a timer that ticks down like <laughs> they've been doing a task for this long they need to get ambushed exactly yeah we got to get them engaged mm-hmm. they can't just cut down trees all willy-nilly <laughs> Even though all we are incentivizing them to do in the entire game is chop down trees. Right. Uh, Yeah, and then so you get ambushed and you have to do a lot of combat. So, like, having a more robust combat system is, I think, a very worthy goal. Like, a thing that you should be trying to do uh, in a game like this. But then at the same time, it's like, I don't know if the game at at in its current state really supports it that well. 
Yeah, uh, it's like in a middle ground, I think, where like it, it can either like lean more into the base building uh, and pair back on the combat or lean more into the combat and make the combat system better. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess when you're like an indie developer, you kind of have to make those those kinds of calls. Yeah, you do kind of have to pick a lane at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is another thing where automation would come in handy. Like, if you had systems, and once again, I think that some of this stuff is in the game. Uh, not specific things I'm going to mention, but, like, there is automation in this game as far as, like, generating resources and not having to sit there and cut trees for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just gated behind doing it a lot. Uh but I like things like making it feel like a tower defense game in the sense that like you're building a death trap would be cool. It would be something that the player could engage with separately from the combat and tie the base building and the combat together mm-hmm. uh, in a sense. Because as it stands, yeah, like when you're early in the game and you get raided, you really do just kite them in a circle until it says that they're going back to bed. And it's like, great, because I am tired. (laughs) (laughs) Or like being able to like capture like a boar or an animal or something to defend your house. Or like maybe you could get like a gray dwarf thrall to like chop down trees for you or whatever. Yeah, so you're verging into the uh, the forbidden game territory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is it. This is not a power world podcast. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be go that far, but like a couple things like that could be nice. Like for a yeah, reason and- to like automate stuff. Like you'd have to have somebody around to do it. True. Yeah, because then you can't just like build a robot or an assembly line right? in this game due to its aesthetics. Which honestly is that. This might be a tangent, but this probably isn't going to be that long of an episode, so bear with me. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> is that something that you would like to see, like a, a survival game that does not take place in either like a fantasy world or the distant past? Like something that is like a futuristic survival mm. game where you scrounge things up to build, which I guess is kind of like a Subnautica situation, maybe. But that's got, like, water as kind of its thing. Right. Uh, That sounds actually really cool. Um, Because, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, creativity space there. Like, you know, is it, like, a dystopian futuristic world? Like, you need, like, to come up with, like, a reason why you're in a survival situation and, like, think of what kind of things you could get and do. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. build robots or, you know, like craft like weird like big weapons out of like futuristic robot parts like i could i could be pretty sweet yeah like more scrap than wood sort of thing yeah it's like build a big robot with like arms that spins around and shoots laser guns (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i think and because like ultimately the reason this comes to mind is basically just like i i you know i'm a gamer uh-huh. uh <laughs> And no matter how much effort it takes me to get there, you're never going to make me excited about a sword. Like, mm. I, we did so much effort to essentially make, like, the starting equipment in every RPG ever made. Uh, right. And it felt like, it just felt so 
unexciting compared to the fact that this was like a Norse mythological game. Like, I really wanted to get in there and have like, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously going more for like Vikings aesthetically. In yeah, terms yeah. Of, like, like the soldiers who would have died and gone to Valhalla or whatever. Yeah, but what I want is like I want to shoot lightning out of my hands or right. something. Like, give me superpowers or something. If you're gonna make me play for longer than a full campaign of a traditional linear game, mm-hmm. for me to have a bronze sword <laughs> and a and a sh- a great shield that looks like a raft. <laughs> Yeah, but instead of like the deer antlers you get from the first boss being making a regular pickaxe, they can make like some right. kind of cool lightning weapon. I totally forgot that the the literal like the boss soul of this <laughs> game turns into a a fucking pickaxe. Like you kill Smo and then you turn his <laughs> you turn his armor into a very fancy shoehorn. Like it's it's it is very boring when you consider yeah, it's just it. It's like that this way. cool lightning deer that you fight and then it just you just make a pickaxe. Out of his fucking skull, dude. <laughs> it's so metal. <laughs> No, yeah, uh, leaning into, like, some magical elements could have been cool, for sure. And uh, you can lean into that for, like, crafting and stuff, too. Like, like the portals, you know, yeah, that's, like, obviously magic. Yeah, I love that portal, by the way, is so much easier to make than, like, any other object in the game. Yeah, yeah, that was a criticism I had, but didn't really want to go into it, but might as well. Uh, like, it, it it seems a little arbitrary or kind of, like, padding the amount that, like, certain things cost to make th- compared to others. Yeah, no, agreed. If, if yeah, I don't have a ton to like... say about it, but, like, it was definitely yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah, where you just feel like, yeah, because I had to make that thing, uh, whatever. Spear, yeah, yeah, that 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 weapon. big cool curved sword the, Klingon weapon. Yeah, the big cool Klingon curved sword weapon cost like six bronze and like two leather scraps or something. Uh-huh. But then they were like sword though. That's gonna be like eight bronze and leather straps and like deer hide. And I'm like, why? Why does sword have so much of a requirement? Yeah, like like a magic portal shouldn't be easier to make yeah. than a bronze sword. Yeah, and then Magic Portal is, like, a thing you have 600 of in your inventory just accidentally. Some wood, and then the the same thing that you used to make, a place to burn wood into charcoal. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why that requires certain cores and not just, like, a campfire, but whatever. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a Viking. Yeah, just regular. Admittedly, fire. being a Viking is not <laughs> part of my expertise. Uh oh, I want to talk about not our experience with them because it would be quite a short conversation. Uh-huh. Uh but the, <laughs> the concepts behind uh the boss fights and mm. the like trekking across Valheim to uh, summon and defeat bosses as, like, a progression system within the game. Uh, Yeah, I like that. 
Um, it, 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 it's one of those things I didn't even really think about because it just feels like it comes from like just traditional like adventure game design. I think we talked this about this a little bit in uh, Resident Evil 8 where it felt like it had its like zones and each zone had a boss uh, that like was presided over it. So like it, it feels very much like just rooted in that sort of thing. Like I assume each biome has a boss that you have to go fight. Uh, and I think that really works uh, for like progression. Like I, I, I know like the appeal of some of these types of games is just that like it's very self-directed and you just do whatever you feel like. But I very much appreciate having like goals of like what to go do next if we want to like to progress towards like an ending or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I agree. And doubling down on that, I think it is the thing that if I were to go back to this game, which I mean, I don't know if I had eight other friends who wanted to get into it, I could probably be coaxed back into it. Right. But uh, it is the thing that like most intrigues me. And I'm sure that it also is not like a purely unique in the survival game genre. But like I did, I love that they just like fucking stick a mark on the map and they're like, you don't know anything about what mm -hmm. is between here and there, but you have to traverse it in order to progress. Yeah, it's like a motivator to go explore because the world is fucking huge. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's like a motivator because like you can like probably get all the things you need in a much smaller radius than the entire map. So it's like a reason <laughs> to like go around uh, and actually like explore uh, more fully. Yeah, and it's a much cooler motivator than like an I like if they just put a key item, right? Like it well is it is what they did. They put a key item there, but they also tied it in with uh, the lore and uh, pr the promise of a cool enemy to fight. Like mm -hmm. it is a it is game making one hundred and one to an extent, but also at the same time, like it's applied to a genre where intrinsic motivations are usually the thing that are the driving force. So I do like the fact that in this case, it was like, this is your goal. Like as you drop in, it's like, here's what you want to do. You want to live long enough and well enough to murder all of these guys. Right. And then at the end of it, then you get your reward. You get to move on. Uh, and I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought that was very compelling. It was something that I, I kind of wanted to, to get into more. Uh, but they did put the second boss pretty far away, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I think it really fits the theming of, like, that, that kind of, like, fictionalized version of Vikings is that, like, like hyper-warrior class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it makes sense as a goal, like, to go and fight these, like, giant monsters for glory and all that. Oh, yeah, for glory. <laughs> uh... I could eat another bite. I could eat another bite. I do. Uh, uh, I don't know if this is what it is that you were trying to segue <laughs> in with that. Uh, I I have such a love-hate relationship with the UI in this game. Mm. Uh, I find using the build hammer to be kind of infuriating, <laughs> but not because of the build hammer itself. Like, the crafting menu is very normal. Uh, I just hate crafting, so, like, I'm already in the hole on that mm -hmm. but 
using the crafting is normal and fine. I already praised, like, I really like how the actual base building part of it works. But then I hate that you then cannot interact with other things while it's in your hand. So you have to, like, put it back away uh, in order to use stuff uh, or just move around normally. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love that there is, like, the, the, I, mm, there's like timers everywhere for all kinds of stuff. It's like your food is on a timer and there's a timer when you accidentally step into a stream for half a second <laughs> that tells you that you're going to be wet for a minute and a half. Uh, and all of these other things that are just sort of ticking down at all times. And it makes it makes looking at the game kind of a headache. Uh, but I guess it is all kind of good information and yeah when the message pops up it's like you could eat another bite <laughs> i i think that's hysterical i i love that uh yeah. Uh, yeah i don't know what they were trying to make a meme but i think uh it, it's very memeable it really is yeah i don't it is definitely cumbersome to have to like switch to the hammer and like put it away to like do other things and like it, I just, I feel like it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, what's the <laughs> point of making you do that? Like, uh, I mean, ha- yeah, having it, to keep the to... hammer in your inventory, I guess, would make sense to be able to craft stuff. But like, don't make me have to take it out to do anything. Right. Just have like a build menu, yeah. like games sometimes have that bring <laughs> that up. Like, if you can build a wall in like three seconds in the middle of a gunfight in Fortnite, I don't see why you need a specialized tool to uh, change the UI to build a house in in Valheim. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. That being said, I'm comparing it to a game that is made by, like, it's, like, the literal most money-getting game of all time. (laughs) And this is, like, an indie survival game. So, like, I'm not... Uh, if there is like a resource issue there, it makes sense. But could we have a final thought? Some fine wood thoughts. <laughs> Some fine wood thoughts. I don't know. I I thought maybe there was something. I think fine wood thoughts and some working better. I don't know. <laughs> Do we have Ethicure thoughts? <laughs> Uh, pick your favorite and go with that uh, one. Uh, my, I just because it's easy. Uh, I'm gonna go with my fine wood thoughts are. Nice. Uh, yeah. As we said many times, uh, this is far outside of our wheelhouse. Uh, we're coming at it with an outsider perspective. Um, and I, I guess like, I feel like the game really did make a good first impression on me. Like, it. I um. I think I said like. It felt less overwhelming in the beginning than other games, like the couple other that I've ever, you know, touched. Um, and but I feel like that like quickly wears out and it, I think, starts to spike pretty hard where you're having to go really far to find stuff or it takes a really long time to do things um, or you don't know where to go to find the stuff you need. Um, so. Yeah, like, I feel like there's a like, good game in there, and uh, I know it's an early access game, so I like want to cut it some slack, but I feel like the game 
has gotten pretty like universal praise from most people that play it. So like I don't know how much stuff they're gonna feel compelled to fix an update um but i hope that they do continue to because i think there's definitely something here um but from my my old crotchety uh perspective i feel like a lot of it's underdeveloped and not as polished as it could be so yeah uh i had some fun with it i think the first like two times we played were probably my favorite uh as i said because i felt like the the progression curve was the smoothest. Um, but yeah, I I think that, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to keep repeating myself <laughs> if I keep going. So maybe I'll just cut myself off there. I think like a lot of potential, but not quite my thing, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think, I think I take a similar lesson from uh, sort of the reception of this game. Uh, where the game has basically gotten universal praise. Uh, the the fact that game the game got suggested to us for February, I think, does sort of uh, lend some credence to that as well. Like, I, I think that people do like this game, and to me, what that means is less that there are things that need to be fixed in the game that they might rest on their laurels and, and let slide because people already like it. I think that this is, for the audience that it is meant for, genuinely a good game. And I think that we just are super not that audience, um, which is a shame because I, I, I do kind of see what this game is is doing right but there are genre conventions within the survival genre that I just don't click with um, and never will click with. Like, I don't think that there's an amount of this style of game I can play where I'm going to really appreciate the sort of like slow build that they go for. Um, and so, yeah, my, my overall opinion on this is, is a little muddy, I suppose, but it is like, I understand why this is a well-liked game uh, in terms of the things that people seek out and and want to do. And especially like with the social aspect and everything, it's hard to argue. Uh, but as far as like my own enjoyment is con con for, like concerned, I, I don't know that I could squeeze much more blood out of this stone uh, in terms of getting like any fun... <laughs> whatsoever to be had uh i do think that like a build mode would be kind of interesting in this game where you don't have a resource limit uh and you just kind of like build a base and fight monsters in it like that seems like it would be kind of cool mm -hmm. uh because i do really like the the building mechanics i think that they are are surprisingly well fleshed out um but I don't know. I, th I think we did a decent job of spreading out our criticism among the things that we recognize it it doing well. So uh, if I have any like true final thoughts is I would like somebody who is a fan of adventure or adventures of survival games to explain to me uh, just like kind of go off, you know, like what is it about this game that that is particularly special Uh and and worked worked well and like what fun things did you get up to because like i don't know i played like 200 hours of rim world last year and obviously i had a great time with that and you were like 
uh, no, nah, I'm not a big, this isn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, so I can a hundred percent see how like somebody could look at a good game and not like it due to tastes. So I do want to hear about people being happy, <laughs> <laughs> even if I am not, uh, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're, we're going into not medieval March, but similarly, uh, we're, we're going to do a, I guess, a FromSoft-inspired March. Yeah, Miyazaki March. Miyazaki March. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and the first game that we're going to be talking about is going to be Lunacid, a game that takes direct inspiration from Kingsfield. It is a first-person dungeon-crawling sword and sorcery-style game. Hell yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I've been kind of pumped about it since I ever heard about it, and it, re- <laughs> it very recently released in, in its like full 1.0 version, so... Let's get it, boys! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro, where you can find links to our email address, our Twitter account, the uh, Discord server where you can suggest games for us to play, similarly to the people who suggested games for February. Uh, though, if it is a more. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you can tell us how good Valheim is and how wrong we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and if you want to suggest games that are more in our traditional vein, uh, that we'll do throughout the year, uh, we're always open for that. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel or any of our old episodes, uh, including ones. It was another one we didn't do survival games. So uh, you, uh, our episode on detective pikachu <laughs> no man's sky <laughs> yeah no man's sky that's probably the closest uh, we got metal gear solid 2 <laughs> we didn't even do three the one where you have to eat and stuff right. <laughs> oh man uh cook cook up that subscribe button <laughs> Refused to build a roof uh, correctly over the conversation. <laughs> Man, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm sure this has been a wild ride. Oh, for yeah, you. yeah. Uh, so you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube that uh, the game's running really choppy <laughs> because uh, when it was running the capture software in the game at the same time, uh, it wasn't happy about that. Uh, but trust me, the game was not running poorly for me the whole time. That did not contribute to why I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, that's a good disclaimer. Goodbye. Farewell. Might as well record a podcast then. All right. All right. Fish Labs.